Welcome to the Fantasy Football Diagnostics Podcast, where we provide you with your weekly diagnosis of everything fantasy football. Whether it's season-long leagues, dynasty, DFS, or even IDP, we got you covered all season long. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's get to it. Welcome into the Fantasy Football Diagnostics Podcast. And of course, as always, I am your host, John June, and it is a wonderful Saturday morning. We are less than a week away from the NFL draft. And so obviously it's very exciting time in the football community. Uh, we can stop debating which of these rookies are good enough to be first round picks, second round picks, whatever it may be. And getting to the point where these guys get drafted, end up on teams and, you know, we get to figure out the rest for ourselves. And again, completely, uh, not completely, but in some positions, completely changing, shifting our opinions of what we may think of these players, right? Um, you know, just for an example, last year I had Clyde Edwards-Alaire uh, as my fifth running back, um, and because he ended up going in the first round, he I, he ended up vaulting up to my number one running back. And so, obviously, I spoke about that uh, the beginning of the year, how Probably should have stuck to my guns there and kept JT as my number one guy. Uh, at at best, probably should have had Clyde at two. But you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and we learn from these things, right? So, um, continuing to learn, continuing to evolve the process. Um, one thing I'm excited about is I've already got my twenty twenty one league and team projections done. So, um, excited to dig into that. Obviously, the draft is going to change some of that because. Some of these players go, some of these rookies end up, could could change the current status for a veteran right now. Um, you know, for example, uh, Detroit Lions, right? They lost Kenny Galladay. Um, they don't really have much by way of the wide receiver position. And so a guy like Quintus Cephas, who could see a, a ton of targets, Right. If they go out and and they draft a wide receiver with their first round pick, then it could completely shift how I feel about Quintus Cephas. So not really going to make a move there, per se, until, you know, we we figure some stuff out. Do have some Quintus Cephas, though. So I I personally am intrigued. So, yeah, that's that's that with Quintus Cephas. But moving on, I am excited for today's show because we're going to go through all 32 teams where going to discuss them, uh, you know, what potential needs they have, uh, and going to go through a mock draft. I'm going to discuss the team that originally uh, held the pick, right? So uh, in the case of, you know, the the San Francisco 49ers at three, right? going to talk about um, not even the Miami Dolphins because it wasn't their pick, but originally it was the Houston Texans pick. So we'll talk about them. We'll talk about what they got going on, what they could look to do in this draft potentially. Um, And then I will reveal who I have going to the Niners at three. So uh, I hope it doesn't get too confusing and that you're all able to follow along, but I'm really excited about this one. Um, So yeah, let's just jump right into it, y'all. So first up, obviously the Jacksonville Jaguars, they hold this pick. Uh, We already know what they're doing at the number one spot, but they also have the 25th pick in the draft which they got from the Rams for the Jalen Ramsey deal a couple years ago. So I think the Jags could definitely use help on the offensive line. Um, I know that 
they recently uh, franchise tagged. I forget I forget the, the the dude's name off the top of my head, but they recently franchise tagged one of their offensive linemen. I think it was Cam Robinson, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but uh, you know they should look to continue to add um, all protection around Trevor Lawrence. I mean they're pretty good at receiver. Um, you know maybe they could use one other you know uh, speed merchant, but. That I think that they could address that later in the draft as this wide receiver class is deep. Um, in terms of an outlook for the Jags, I mean, um, I've got them projected for six wins so far. So, granted, some of that stuff could change depending on what happens in the draft, but I'm not expecting it to change too much. Um, and uh, I don't want to get too much into everything and projections-wise and stuff, but... Uh, the number one overall pick expected to be Trevor Lawrence. Um, I've got a, him having a pretty good rookie year. So, um, you know, similar, probably if not uh, slightly better to what we saw from, from Joe Burrow last year. So that should be exciting there. Um, and so, yes, with the first pick in my 2021 NFL mock draft, I the, the Jacksonville Jaguars select Trevor Lawrence. Surprise, surprise. Um, moving on to the, the team that holds the number two pick in the draft, that is the New York Jets. Obviously, we know the Jets are definitely going quarterback here after uh, the trade, the, the Sam Darnold trade, and we're all pretty sure we know which quarterback it will be. Uh, the Jets also have the 23rd pick in the draft, which they got from the Jamal Adams trade last year, uh, so they can definitely use that uh, to add talent. Um, you know they could definitely <laughs> they they could definitely use talent for sure. They're they're in a worse spot than I think Jacksonville was. Um, failed to mention Jacksonville could also add help at D line and secondary. But um, back to the New York Jets, they they definitely could use help in the secondary themselves, uh, specifically a cornerback. They just have Bryce Hall uh, returning, who, who's pretty good in, in limited uh, time last year. But he's he's ideally your number two corner. Um, and, you know, bless Austin who they had, you know, he's, he's competitive, he's tough, but, uh, ideally he's, he's more of like your fourth, fifth corner and special teams player. So I think that they will look to address the cornerback position. I, ideally, uh, I think they, they look to add help at the interior offensive line, but you never know how the board is going to fall. Uh, the, they obviously need help at running back and wide receiver, I mean, honestly, they just need playmakers. So maybe they they look to get that done as they have two third-round picks. So, you know, the Jets do have a ton of needs, but they, they have uh, ways to fill it. As for this pick, uh, it's set in, it seems to be set in stone. I don't want to believe it. I mean, me personally, I've said this over and over again. If I'm turning in this card, it would be Justin Fields, but I don't think that's going to happen here. Uh, I think it's going to end up being Zach Wilson, which is not an issue at all. I mean, I have them. If you've listened to this show, you've listened to me talk about the quarterbacks before. I think Zach Wilson is very good. I just think Justin Fields is going to be a star. And so, you know, shoot for a ceiling. I mean, not to say Zach Wilson doesn't have a ceiling, but his ceiling is nowhere as close to that of Justin Fields. But with my 2021 NFL mock draft, the New York Jets do select Zach Wilson, quarterback out of BYU. Moving on to the number three spot. So the Houston Texans, uh, they don't own this pick, obviously, as I as I as I uh, mentioned before. But um, 
you know, the Texans are obviously going through a tumultuous offseason from the Deshaun Watson trade request to now the Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson sexual allegations, um, sexual assault allegations. Um, so they're really in a, in a tough spot. Uh, they, they need help at wide receiver, running back, offensive line, defensive line, and they need help in the secondary. Not to mention that they could they could have a need at quarterback as well, depending on what happens with Deshaun Watson. And even if he does not in in found of any uh you know found of any wrongdoing, he's still probably not gonna want to you know play for the Houston Texans. So they could definitely have a need at quarterback as well. Unfortunately for the Texans, they don't have a pick until the third round, pick sixty seven. So it's going to be hard for them to get that much better in 2021 uh the texans are somewhat of a dumpster fire uh they they have that feeling heading into the 2021 season uh you know they let they let a veteran like jj Waco. um they obviously have the deshaun watson situation uh looming over them so you know i've got them projected to finish have the worst record in the league that's not a surprise so, yeah, it's it's going to be tough, tough sledding for the Houston Texans. As for the 49ers who have this pick, you know, there's a ton of speculation here about Mac Jones, and I'm just not buying it. You don't trade up to three. I mean, look, again, Matt, Mac Jones is a f- like a phenomenal football player. I think that he has a ton of talent, right? I, I've called him. Uh, I, I said that he's a great distributor. He's he's kind of like a point guard out there with how he distributes the football. You give him a clean pocket, you give him open targets, and, and he's he's gonna deliver. And I think that that's fine. And I think Zach Wilson is worthy of a first round pick. I just don't think you trade all those assets that you gave up as the San Francisco 49ers did to move up to three to draft Mac Jones, and so. Did I say Zach Wilson? I feel like I did. But, you know, to draft Mac Jones, you just don't do it. I, I just, I'm sorry. I, I Like Justin Fields, Trey Lance, like those make more sense to me. And so without being, with that being said, in my 2021 NFL mock draft, I have the San Francisco 49ers selecting Justin Fields, quarterback, out of the Ohio State University. And so, you know, again, I think if you look at, obviously Trey Lance here would make a ton of sense as well. Um, you know, the, he fits what the what the 49ers want to do perfectly. I just think that Justin Fields is just too good of a player to pass up. And, you know, I could totally be wrong here. Um but I, I think at the end of the day, Justin Fields is probably the second best player in this draft class. If we're if we're really being honest, um, in terms of the impact that he he can have on a football game, uh, so I think that Kyle Shanahan and, and the Niners contingent, I think they'll realize that. Um, and you know, Justin Fields, it wouldn't be the first time Kyle Shanahan had a quarterback symbol of a similar skill set, right? He had RG three back a few years ago. Uh, back in Washington, several years ago, back in Washington, um, but Justin Fields is put together a little bit different than RG three. RG three was he was lean, he was slender, he still is lean and slender, but Justin Fields well put together, 
230 pounds, you know, has that 4-4 speed that we talk about. But again, he's he has the ability to be a great passer. You know, people want to talk about one reads and all that stuff. But as I said, you never judge a player for for what they're asked to do. You judge a player for what they can do. And I think Justin Fields can do everything that Kyle Shanahan would, would need him to do in terms of throwing off a play action, moving the pocket, having an impact on, a run, on the run game that Jimmy Garoppolo or Nick Mullins or C.J. Beathard couldn't have, right? So, you know, I, I'm all for Justin Fields ending up with the San Francisco 49ers. Obviously, Trey Lance here would be would be interesting as well. And if they do end up with Mac Jones, I, like I'm not going to hate it, right? I just I, I just would have preferred them to take you know Justin Fields or Trey Lance, but that's it, right? That's that's just kind of where I'm at. Um but moving on to the Atlanta Falcons, they hold the 4th pick in the draft and and they could go in a variety of different ways with it. And you know, I think adding Kyle Pitts here would be a home run for them. Uh, obviously, they need help at running back, but I think they addressed that at pick 36. They also need help on defense, and this is a lot uh, you know, of needs for one team to fill. But the Falcons are in a sweet spot of the draft. They're presumably five, there are presumably five franchise quarterbacks in this draft class, and the Falcons are picking four after three of them are expected to come off the board. And so... Now the Falcons, you know, they can definitely take a quarterback here with Matt Ryan being 36 years old and, you know, have their their future set there at the quarterback position. But I think Atlanta sees this as an opportunity to trade down and go for another run here with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. So ding, 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 ding. We've got the first trade of my 2021 NFL mock draft. And that, well, before we jump into it, let's just talk about Atlanta a little bit more, right? Like... I know that's a teaser, but I like I said, adding Kyle Pitts to an offense where you've got Julio Jones, you've got Calvin Ridley, who had the breakout last year. Um, you know, you can have Hayden Hurst as your number two tight end now. Uh, you can add a running back in the second round, and now you're looking at this Atlanta offense headed by Arthur Smith, and you're saying, well, you know, hey, this this is a formidable one now, right? Uh, add some players on defense. And, you know, they can get this thing rocking and rolling in no time. And I think that's why they moved this pick and back to the trade. The Denver Broncos, I think, come up to number four uh, to get this pick uh, from number nine. Uh, You know, we'll talk about it a little bit more when we do talk about the Denver Broncos. But I think that with this pick, they they end up drafting uh, Trey Lance here, quarterback from North Dakota State. So. Moving on to the fifth pick in the draft uh, and the team that owns it, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. I think they sit tight here. Uh, I, you know, they obviously they're in kind of a sweet spot, um, but I don't know. They're kind of in a sweet spot where they could trade for a quarterback. Um, like you know, they could trade the pick to a team looking to acquire a quarterback. So obviously, in this scenario, Mac Jones is still on the board. So if a team were willing to come up. To, to take a Mac Jones, um, you know, it just when I was looking at it, it just seemed like all the teams were kind of out of striking distance. And I think Cincinnati is going to want to sit tight here um, because obviously it would be nice to reunite Joe Burrow with with Jamar Chase or even get him a weapon like Kyle Pitts. But I don't know, man, I think the Bengals know what they need to do here, man. Joe, Joe Burrow, Joey B, 
the the trifecta is coming off the ACL injury. Cincinnati offensive line has had issues for years, and I think it's time to protect the most important person in the Bengals organization. So that is why I give the Cincinnati Bengals Rashawn Slater offensive lineman from the uh, from Northwestern. And so the thing with Rashawn Slater here, I think that he's a guy that allows the, um, you know, if they want to be able to, if they want to be able to, you know, uh, see what if Jonah Williams still has some stuff left in the tank, they could play Rashawn Slater at guard or at right tackle. Um, and then if if you know Jonah Williams struggles or he has to move on, you know, Rashawn Slater could potentially slide out to left tackle. So uh, I know Penny Sewell highly regarded as a top offensive lineman, but you know from the things that I'm hearing and reading, uh, teams. They covet Rashawn Slater's uh, versatility on the offensive line, right? And so it's going to be team dependent, right? If teams are looking for that pure left tackle, um, you know, somebody that, you know, they has all the upside in the world, uh, but maybe hasn't quite figured it out yet, that's going to be Penny Sewell. But if they want uh, somebody who can come in right away and impact, your game and impact your offensive line and do it at a few different positions and provide you that flexibility. Cause you got to remember these teams, they only carry, they only uh, bring six or seven uh, offensive linemen on game day, right? That's all they've got active. Sorry. Six, six or seven is too low. Seven, eight offensive linemen on game day. So that's all they really got active. Rashawn Slater helps them uh, save some spots. And so just the thought there. So I, th- yeah, again, Rashawn Slater going to Cincinnati to help, protect Joey B. Um, Moving on to the sixth pick, um, the Philadelphia Eagles originally held this pick, but they then traded it to the Dolphins as after the Dolphins traded their number three pick to the Niners for number 12. I know that was really confusing there, but excuse me, but um, anyway, back to the Eagles. They apparently were enamored with Zach Wilson and they were willing to trade up to get him, but uh, they were definitely unable to do that, so instead they trade back here. So Philly must feel like they're going to have their choice of of um, they're going to have their choice of either a good pass catcher at twelve or maybe their pick of the best defensive player available. Uh, they could also use help at the offensive line, so that's something else to look out for when you know when the Eagles are on the clock and. So as for the Dolphins, I've got another trade here. I think the Dolphins don't make this pick. Um, you know, picking at six, Mac Jones, he's got to come off the board here. He's he's a franchise quarterback. Teams know it, so they're enamored with him. They got to come up and get him, right? So which team does it? And this is a little crazy because I was going back, right? And I'm like, Detroit, you know, they are they going to move up one spot to get Mac Jones? I don't think so, right? They got all those future first-round picks, I think. Jared, you know, Jared Goff, I think they're going to try to build the talent level of this team and then eventually fill up the quarterback position. So Carolina Panthers, I don't think they make a move like that. Dallas Cowboys, no. New York Giants, no. Philadelphia Eagles, no. L.A. Chargers, no. And that's what I started thinking. You've got the New England Patriots here at 15, but you've also got the Minnesota Vikings at 14, right? And so if I'm Miami, right? Obviously, Brian Flores used to work with with uh, 
Bill Belichick used to work for Bill Belichick in New England. There's a relationship there, but I don't think you hand your division rival, whether there's a relationship there or not, I don't think you hand them their franchise quarterback, right? Why would I want to do them that favor? But the Minnesota Vikings are intriguing because who does Mac Jones get comp to, right? Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, right? And I think that's a range of outcomes, right? So obviously Matt Ryan being on the higher end. Kirk Cousins, you know, I don't know he gets a lot of disrespect. I'm not going to call him the lower end tier, but you, you basically get what I'm saying. He's Mac Jones is cut from that mold, right? And so the Minnesota Vikings, they sit here, they have Kirk Cousins, who has got this enormous contract. He's over 30 years old. Why wouldn't you upgrade the contract or, you know, get a cheaper contract, continue to build this team around this young nucleus that you have, and uh, and then you could flip Kirk Cousins for a draft pick. So I've actually got the Minnesota Vikings coming up to number six to take Mac Jones from number 14 quarterback out of Alabama so that is my wild trade of the day um and so that is uh yeah I I don't know I I don't know if that's going to happen I don't know what the likelihood of that happening is but just doing the exercise I think that's a move that makes a ton of sense so moving on to Detroit we talked we mentioned them briefly but you know the Lions could use a ton of help um but one spot they have a massive hole at is the wide receiver position after letting Kenny Galladay walk in free agency. I talked about it before. They've got Quintus Cephas. They've also got Tyrell Williams, who's always hurt. Rashad Perriman, who's also always hurt. Um, and then I think Geronimo Allison is on that team. So <coughs> not a bunch of guys that you know I would be interested in um, outside of maybe Quintus Cephas. And so, like I said, I think Detroit continues to <clears throat> fill the talent level on this team. They obviously, also have need, uh, need help on defense, but going to be tough to fill all these needs in one draft. I think Kyle Pitts is definitely in consideration at this spot. Uh, you could run a little two tight end set with TJ Hawkinson. I don't think fantasy managers would really like that, though, because that would only cap the limited ceiling that TJ Hawkinson has going into 2021 anyway. Um, but I think the Detroit Lions here at seven, they get the number one wide receiver on the board, uh, and that's Jamar Chase, man. And and so Jamar Chase is going to come in here. He's going to be the wide receiver one for the Detroit Lions. Quintus Cephas will slide over to that two spot. But now you've got Jamar Chase, Quintus Cephas, DeAndre Swift out the backfield, and Jared Goff is, uh, you know, you know, in some garbage time, he's going to have no choice but to let it fling. So, uh, you know, Jamar Chase here, I, I really do like this pick for the Detroit Lions. I like this pick for Jamar Chase because uh, even from a dynasty perspective, right, you know, Jamar Chase ending up in this spot where he could, you know, foresee, you could, there's a real outcome where he gets, you know, 100 targets as a rookie, right? And so, um, and then considering what could happen in the future if Detroit were to get a quarterback, right? Or, you know, to, were to upgrade that quarterback. So, um, definitely do like Jamar Chase to the Detroit Lions. Moving on to the eighth pick, we've got the Carolina Panthers. So after this, the trade for Sam Donald, the Panthers can still make an effort to address the quarterback position if the opportunity presents itself. I think with their division rival 
Uh, Atlanta Falcons sitting at four, though. That kind of makes it impossible to, for them to get to that spot. So I think they stay here at eight and they address the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I think you you know you see them address that offensive line, but you know also continue to fortify that defense to battle some of these explosive offenses that they have in their division. And so with the with the pick at eight, I think it only makes sense. Penny Sewell, highly regarded as a top offensive tackle prospect in this class, he's just sitting here available. He's sitting here at eight in this mock draft, and so. Uh, they have to take him, I think, in this scenario, put him on the left side, give Sam Darnold some protection, um, and, you know, give him some, some time to get to these weapons, right? So I think that that would significantly upgrade the Carolina offensive line. Um, you know, moving on to pick nine, obviously there was a trade here. Um, Atlanta owns this pick in this scenario, my mock draft, but... I'm going to talk about the Denver Broncos, who have already made this pick. I think that the Broncos, you know, they do everything they can to trade up and acquire a quarterback. Hence, this is why I have them trading up um, in my mock draft. So when you consider how poor Drew Locke was last year, as far as team needs go, I think they could use help at cornerback and edge. Uh, I know they just recently signed Kyle Fuller and and a few other guys, but they're they're up there in age. And so uh, I think when you look at Von Miller. Uh, who's also out there in age. There was also a situation with his contract. Uh, and then you also look at Bradley Chubb, who's had his his share of injuries. Uh, I think Edge is in consideration as well. Um, but I also think getting a linebacker to work the middle of Vic Fangio's defense should not be, um, you know, should not, should not be, uh, you know, completely dismissed in this scenario here because, you know, when Vic Fangio was in was in Chicago, they took Roquan Smith, I think, at eight or nine, something like something along those lines. Vic Fangio, uh, when he was in San Francisco, they took Patrick Willis, um, in the in the top ten or twelve of the NFL draft. And so you look at a guy here like Micah Parsons who's sitting here. I think that that's if they you know obviously in my scenario I have them trading up, but I think. You know, Micah Parsons is completely, uh, not completely out of uh, the realm of possibility here for Vic Fangio. Um, But as far as the Atlanta Falcons go, I said that it would be a home run if they could get Kyle Pitts at four. Well, in my mock draft, they get Kyle Pitts at nine. So would you look at that? They trade back from four to nine and they still get their guy in Kyle Pitts here uh, adding him to this Atlanta Falcons offense which has now just become so much more explosive uh two teams that really don't need Kyle Pitts but if they had Kyle Pitts would be like oh man they're really formidable that's the Atlanta Falcons and this next team at 10 the Dallas Cowboys and so again the Cowboys they're fortunate to be picking at uh in the top 10 this is almost a luxury for a team as talented as they are now luxury or not they can definitely use the pick. So, um, you know, because they do have some needs that they can address here in a class that has talent, especially at the top of the draft. I think they could use help on the offensive line to replace uh, some of the guys that made up what was one of the best offensive line units in in the entire league. I think they, they also, you know, would hope that Kyle Pitts could potentially make it here to this spot at 10. And you add Kyle Pitts to this offense, this explosive Dallas Cowboys offense, with CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper and, and, and Michael Gallup, uh, Zeke Elliott, and you just run a ton of 11 personnel and Kyle Pitts getting, 
you know, set 60 to 70 to 80 targets from, from Dak Prescott. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good. That's uh, definitely a good prospect to have. Um, the other position I think that the Dallas Cowboys target here is cornerback. And the, the way this board falls in my mock draft, the Cowboys have first dibs. And to me, the pick that just, I don't know if I want to see it happen. I don't know, you know, what it is. I, I actually did um, throw some money down that this player goes in the top 10 uh, and that he is the first corner drafted. Because if I was looking for a corner, it would be this guy. And I think that he kind of fits. Uh, you know, I think Dallas is trying to get bigger, faster, stronger in their second, especially in the secondary. And I think this guy fits that. Let me stop teasing it. It's J.C. Horn out of the University of South Carolina. Uh, J.C. Horn is just, he, you look at this guy, if you were to draw a corner, uh, it would be J.C. Horn, uh, you know, the son of Joe Horn, uh, you know, former New Orleans Saints wide receiver. So he's got that pedigree. But J.C. Horn, um, you know, 6'2", 212 pounds, ran 4'3", had a, 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 I think his vert was in either in the high 30s or, or even might have approached 40. Um and he's just physical, man. He just he dominates you at the line of scrimmage. Obviously, college rules are a little bit different. You can continue to have contact down the field. So, J.C. Horn's going to have to, I guess, um, you know, dial some of that back a little bit. Um, but you look at that the Dallas Cowboys now who can get a J.C. Horn here at ten to pair him with uh, Trayvon Diggs, who they they drafted in the second round last year. And so now you've got a physical. You've got two long physical corners there um and and you know you can kind of you i mean the dallas cowboys have like the best receiving core uh within their division but uh you can you know other like other teams right like now you can get a jc horn and you could put them on a michael thomas or you can you know when you go to play green bay you can put them on Devontae adams you know you can um put them on uh, even within you know your own division, you could put him on Kenny Galladay. So I think J.C. Horn here to the Cowboys at ten just makes a ton of sense. Uh, so yeah. So moving on to the pick, the team that picks eleventh here, that is the New York Giants, uh, staying in the division. The Giants seem like they're you know they're trying to surround Daniel Jones with some playmakers. Uh, they want to know he's their guy going forward, and so maybe that's a theme that continues into the draft. They could also address the offensive line, but this class is so deep that I think they they could um they wait that position out. They could also go edge rusher or linebacker on defense. Uh but as for my pick here, uh pick eleven in the twenty twenty one NFL mock draft, I've got the New York Giants selecting wide receiver from Alabama. No not that one. Uh Jalen Waddle, wide receiver from Alabama. Um the dude is just a speedster. He's a speed merchant and he's not like Tyreek Hill. Um or not sorry, Tyreek Hill. He he gets comped Tyreek Hill a lot, but there's only one Tyreek Hill. But uh, he's not like Henry Ruggs, who was picked last year. Henry Ruggs is, um, he was fast, but he was also very linear, uh, very like li- like straight line fast. Whereas uh, Jalen Waddle, he can string moves together without having to slow down. Obviously, he's had the injury issues, was dealing with the ankle, um, but Waddle can. Um, add an element to this Giants offense that they don't have, right? Because they could draft Devontae Smith, but what's the difference between a Devontae Smith and a Darius Slayton, right? There's like really not that much of a difference in terms of, of the caliber of the type of, 
of player that they are, right? So let's get somebody a little bit different in here. A guy like Jalen Waddle. I mean, again, me personally, I like to build my wide receiver core like a basketball team. I want different skill sets. I want a three-point shooter. I want somebody that can put the ball on the floor. I want a facilitator, right? So like all these, I like I want my above the rim guy in Kenny Galladay. You know, and and then I want Jalen Waddle, who's gonna cross people up and and uh, you know make people uh, snatch their ankles, right? So Jalen Waddle, I think, adds an element to this Giants offense uh, that they don't have, and I don't think that they've honestly that they've ever had. Maybe outside of Odell Beckham, right? Um, but again, different different types of players here. So moving on to the. Um, the 12th pick here. So, obviously, the Eagles hold this pick, which they got from the Dolphins. But in um, the team that originally held this pick was the San Francisco 49ers. So, obviously, in the mock draft, had them taking Justin Fields. We know that they're going to take a quarterback at three, regardless of who it is. Uh, but the 49ers are similar to the Cowboys in the fact that they're just way too talented to be picking here. They experienced some bad luck and injuries, and it paid off by way of the 12th pick, which they turned into the number three pick, uh, which obviously, like we said, they'll use on a quarterback of their future. In addition to that, they could also use help at cornerback. They let Richard Sherman walk in free agency. I think they might also look to get help on the defensive line. You know, Bose is coming off the torn ACL, and obviously they lost some depth uh, between, you know, with losing Kerry Hyder and Solomon Thomas in free agency. As far as the Eagles, we've already spoken about. I think that they go Micah Parsons here at 12. Um, the Eagles have had issues at the at the linebacker position for years. Um, and so adding Micah Parsons, who is in their backyard coming from Penn State, um, I think that uh, Micah Parsons adds something to this, this Eagles defense, uh, somebody that they can uh, rely on to be a, you know affect the run game also affect the pass game as a blitzer and then you know he's he's not great in coverage but he's athletic enough that you can use him in that every now and then but I think I want him coming after the quarterback so um yeah Micah Parsons he's gonna ball and so I think Philadelphia I think they address that linebacker position um you know they've they've got some extra first round picks next year uh and so could potentially have three first-round picks next year. So I think they continued this is an evaluation year for the Eagles, uh, you know, with Jalen Hurts and everything. So I think they just continue to, um, you know, fill in the talent level of this team. Now, as for the L.A. Chargers, man, the Chargers don't need much at all, to be honest, right? This is a good football team that, that's definitely looking to take a leap in, in uh, 2021. Uh, that's all thanks to the young stud they have at quarterback in Justin Herbert, who's obviously of, of one of our favorites here at the Fantasy Football Diagnostics podcast. And obviously he's got weapons already. So, um, you know, they could use help at defense on, on the defensive side of the ball. But new head coach um, Brandon Staley is a defensive-minded head coach who should be able to get the best out of the talent the Chargers already have, right? Remember, they're getting Derwin James back as, uh, from, from injury. So, um, yeah, I think that they, you know, they, I mean, honestly, right, I think I would love for the Chargers to continue to add offensive line here. 
Uh, they they added Corey Lindsley in free agency, but I, I think continuing to protect Herbert is is what you got to do. You just look at what your division rivals, the Chiefs, have done in an offseason, right? So Christian Derisaw, the uh, left tackle from the University, well, from Virginia Tech, uh, I think that he can slide in and, and be Herbert's blindside protector for the next eight to ten years here. So Christian Derisaw, athletic, uh long left tackle and I think that he's going to uh may be a great fit for the Chargers at 13. <laughs> Moving on to 14, obviously in this mock draft scenario, the Dolphins hold this pick, but the Minnesota Vikings in actuality do hold this pick, so I'll just discuss them. Uh, obviously had a little bit of fun with my trade scenario. The, the, the Vikings don't have a need at quarterback, at least a dire need, uh, but some of the most glaring needs are in the secondary, specifically at cornerback. And this is a strong class, so even if the if the Vikings don't make the trade, uh, I'm, I mocked the, then they could still add one of these cornerbacks. They, they could also have their choice of any edge player here that they want. Uh, whether it's Jason Owe or Jalen Phillips or, um, you know, Quiddy Pay, so I I do think that the you know the Vikings definitely going to look to get uh, younger and and faster and more athletic. Uh, so you know they they're a little bit older when you look at some of the main contributors on their team. So as far as this mock draft goes, I've got the Miami Dolphins selecting a wide receiver. Thought they would select a wide receiver at six. Thought they would well. We thought they would select the wide receiver at three. Then we thought they could select the wide receiver at six, um, and so I'm going to actually uh, give them a wide receiver here and get Devontae Smith, wide receiver from Alabama. Uh, so you know, pairing him up with Devontae Parker and, and already Will Fuller, who's on a one-year deal. Um, so even if you feel like Devontae Smith isn't quite ready. Uh, you can give him somewhat of a, not a red shirt year per se, but you could pl- have him limited, playing limited snaps, so on and so forth. And, uh, you know, having Will Fuller continue, you know, to, to be to, to be that number two receiver. Uh, and then, you know, eventually if Will Fuller gets hurt or, um, you know, if he when he moves on, then Devontae Smith can slide in and take over that role here. So, Obviously, Devontae Smith, there's a ton of concern about his weight. It recently was reported that he's actually 166 pounds. Uh, honestly, man, I'm not going to say it doesn't matter. Uh, obviously, you guys have all heard my opinions on it. Um, on Devontae Smith, I think that the probability says that I should, we should lean towards other players. But I'm Devontae Smith's not a guy that I want to bet against, man. He's he's just such a good football player. Uh he, and he's got a dog in him too, and I, I love I love when my receivers have a dog in them. And so Devonte Smith's not a guy that I, I really want to bet against. But um, you know, again, there's other guys that I would prefer to bet on. Let's say moving to pick number fifteen, that is the New England Patriots. Uh, they are definitely hoping and praying they can get in position to get one of the top quarterbacks. I just don't think that that's going to happen. Uh, fifteen might be just a little bit too low. Uh, to make a move the Pats are getting a bunch of players back from the opt-out they did uh, lose Joe Tooney in free agency so the interior of the offensive line might be a good move for them maybe a guy like Elijah Vera Tucker Uh, they could also go cornerback here with Stephon Gilmore getting up there in age and having dealt with his share of injuries 
Uh, the Pats could also move down as they've been known to do, but I think picking in the top 15 for the first time since 2008 when they selected Gerard Mayo at 10, I think this is an opportunity that Bill Belichick and the Patriots don't want to pass up. So I'm giving New England Patriots here Quiddy Pay, defensive lineman out of the University of Michigan. Uh, Quiddy Pay is a freakish athlete. Um, you know, he doesn't have a ton of, of college production, uh, but he's such an athlete here. And I think that uh, adding a guy like like him to Bill Belichick's defense uh, is going to be, you know, definitely ideal because he's 6'4", 272. So he's got a little bit of a, um, he's got a little bit of a, a tweener frame, right? With that, with that size. Um, but he's also got the freakish athleticism. So you can play him on the edge. You could probably play him on the interior of the D line as well. Um, and so I think with a lot of the multi, the multiple fronts that the Patriots like to run, I think Quiddy pay can help, uh, continue to, to provide that, that versatility that the, the Patriots so value. So moving on to 16, the Arizona Cardinals, they added A.J. Green to play opposite DeAndre Hopkins. So now they could add a wide receiver like a Devontae Smith or Rashad Bateman or even a Jalen Waddle if he's here. Uh, they could also go offensive line here as well. But, you know, they've been addressing that throughout the offseason. Uh, they did lose Patrick Peterson in free agency to the Vikings. So I think cornerback is also a logical fit here for them. And that's exactly where I go with this pick. I give them Patrick Sertan, uh, the Patrick Sertan Jr., uh, son of Patrick Sertan, the former Miami Dolphins corner, uh, but giving him Patrick Sertan Jr. out of Alabama to the Arizona Cardinals. I think this would be a great fit for the Cardinals. They would replace uh, Pat one Patrick with another, um, but they, you know, Patrick Sertan would be. He's so technically sound. He's so smooth. He's so fluid. Uh, obviously, coming from that Alabama secondary, is, uh, you know, the Al Alabama tutelage uh, where we see corners come into the NFL. Uh, some of them have, you know, been productive, like a Marlon Humphrey. Some of them have been just okay, like a great, like a Dre Kirkpatrick. Um, you know, but I think when you look at a guy like Patrick Sertan, I think he's going to slide into this this secondary uh, almost perfectly. Um, you know, just continuing to to build that defense that they have in Arizona. Moving on to the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, the Raiders have needs all over their defense. They also have needs on the offensive line that it almost it mostly feels like they created them the, those needs themselves. There are a few offensive linemen here for them to potentially take, but I don't know. I just have a feeling that the Raiders aren't going to go down that route. I feel like they have needs all over their defense, and they can finally address a position that I think uh, they they've been trying to upgrade for years, and that's the linebacker position. So they take one of my favorite players here, in Jeremiah Obusu Koromoa, the linebacker from Notre Dame. He's really like a you know some people want to call him a hybrid player because this is a dude that played linebacker, but he also spent time um, in the slot covering wide receivers. Uh, there's there's clips of him running down the middle of the field as a as a, a, a deep middle player so you know in that tampa two type scheme so i think when you look at a player like jeremiah owusu koromoa or jok as i like to call him um you know i think that you know adding a player like him with that speed that he has 
playing in, in that division where you've got these uh, pass-catching running backs and you're dealing with these explosive pass games with the Chargers and, and the Chiefs, uh, I think adding a guy like JOK only, only makes the middle of your defense um, you know, a little bit more dangerous to attack. Moving on to the Miami Dolphins, we've referenced them uh, like four times now. Um, we even covered one of their picks, but now we finally get to talk about their team uh, and their team needs at this at this uh, as this is their original selection at pick 18. The Dolphins are in the process of, of building something really good, and so uh, Brian Flores, he's he's a, a phenomenal coach, he's a phenomenal culture builder, uh, so. You know, I think the biggest question we have is, you know, we got to find out if Tua is really the franchise guy that most people believe he is. I personally have my questions about him, uh, but the Dolphins need to continue to build around him and, and, you know, get as much help as needed so that they can make that determination as quickly as possible. So that being said, I you know, we saw the Dolphins add in my mock draft, they added a receiver in Devontae Smith. I think that the, um, you know, they... So they, they add a receiver. So I think that they add help on the offensive line. And they go Elijah Vera Tucker uh, out of USC. And, and this one pained me to do it because Elijah Vera Tucker is a guy that I, I really hope would make it to the Jets later at 23 potentially. But Elijah Vera Tucker uh, has the ability to play offensive uh, offensive guard, but he's also got the ability to play tackle. Um so he's got that versatility that that team so desire, uh, but he's just so athletic and so smooth, and uh, so teams that run, you know these, uh, you know teams that, you know like to pull their offensive linemen or are running or you know running you know uh, some kind of outside zone scheme, um, you know they're gonna love Elijah Vera Tucker, and so um, pu- putting him here to the Dolphins, so. Um, you know, again, that one hurts because I, I would really like the Jets to be able to get Elijah Vera Tucker. But moving on, um, pick number 19, the Washington football team. Uh, you know, now if if they can get their hands on a quarterback, I think that they would love to. That probably won't happen in this draft. So I think they continue to build a team that fits the personality of the head coach and Ron Rivera. One that's going to be uh, one that's going to pound you in this submission. And so his first round pick was um, was on the D line. His first his first first round pick last year was on the D line in Chase Young, and I think the next first round pick he makes is is on the other side of the ball in the offensive line. Uh, they they could continue to attack corner. I think that they should do that later in the draft. Um, but I think that Tevin Jenkins, offensive lineman out of Oklahoma State, I think he's the pick here for the Washington football team. This dude is just nasty, bro. Like, he, <laughs> he's, he's just bullies people, man. And so you put this guy on the right side of your offensive line, you could actually even play him at guard, um, you know, or you could play him at right tackle, um, you know, depending on what happens with Brandon Scherf, right? So... You know, I really do like Tevin Jenkins here. I, I think that this is this is the perfect spot for him, going off the board at 19. Moving on to 20, uh, the Chicago Bears. The you know the Bears obviously they're in no man's land or in regards to getting a quarterback, but have no fear because they have signed Andy Dalton. So with how aggressively the, the Bears targeted Kenny Galladay, I wouldn't be surprised if they go after a wide receiver here. Ultimately, I think this pick goes to the defensive side of the ball. They cut Kyle Fuller, 
So I think they should address cornerback here. And so Caleb Farley out of Virginia Tech, good football player, has just dealt with some injuries, some back issues. He had back surgery last year. Uh, had that was after having a, another back operation a few years ago, or you know two seasons ago. But uh, Caleb Farley, he is a phenomenal athlete. He's a phenomenal corner. Uh, Connor Rogers of Bleacher Report. Uh, recently compared him to to Marshawn Lattimore, which I think is high praise. Um, he's just a guy that's been dealing with injuries, and so you have to act, like you have to ask yourself, you know, do you want to take a risk on this guy? Is his back actually okay? And all these different things. But I think Chicago here uh, at twenty, Caleb Farley's probably a top ten player in this draft class, but they can get him at twenty here because of the back injuries. So. Um, I think that's the pick there. Moving on to 21, the Indianapolis Colts definitely wish that a quality left tackle could land here for them as their left tackle, Anthony Costanzo, retired. But the board just didn't fall that way, and and Christian Ballard isn't uh, a needs-based drafter as any good GM shouldn't be. Uh, So I think he recognizes there's good value here on the board uh, and will look to address the O-line position potentially later in the draft. I think the position, the next position they should look to address uh, is wide receiver. Uh, I know that, uh, well, they I think they could address wide receiver, um, but I don't think that, uh, you know, I don't think, the you know Christian Ballard is gonna is gonna do that either because this is a, a deep wide receiver class as well because uh, you know they I know they did bring bring back T Y Hilton to play alongside Michael Pittman Jr. and Paris Campbell who himself is returning from injury but I think getting a guy like Terrace Marshall or Rashad Bateman uh, would be a good move for them um, but I think that they recognize that there's just too much value here in a player like Jalen Phillips um, who they can put on their edge they can put. And line up at defensive end, and um, he can be a nightmare for opposing quarterbacks. And so, um, you know, they don't have a guy like that. Well, Jalen Phillips, he's probably one of my favorite edge rushers in this class. Uh, just looking at, uh, you know, some of his his earlier. Uh, obviously, he's a guy that dealt with some injuries recently. Retired briefly, briefly retired from football. Um, but he's a guy that is super athletic at 6'5", 265 pounds, 4'5", 6", in the 40-yard dash. Um, you know, his three-cone time was really good as well. And so a guy like Jalen Phillips, I think getting added to this Colts unit uh, would make them an even more formidable unit than they were last year. Moving on to the Tennessee Titans, who hold the pick at 22. Uh, the Titans have a bunch of needs to address. They they need to replace basically their entire secondary. They can also need they also need help at right tackle after cutting last year's uh, first round pick Isaiah Wilson, uh, who's already been cut by two teams in less than a year. But that's a whole another conversation. Um, they they uh, and and they drafted Isaiah Wilson to replace Jack Conklin. So there's that. Uh, so. You know, I think that they they could also add a wide receiver after losing Corey Davis in free agency. Uh, so definitely curious to see what they do. Uh, one position I know they've been trying to address for a while now is is edge, but they they signed Bud Dupree away from the Steelers. Um, so I think that they they're okay there. So let's go with Asante Samuel Jr., uh, cornerback out of Florida State. Um, now. I don't know. So the the Titans have a need at cornerback, 
But I just thought it would be really cool. Asante Samuel Jr., son of Asante Samuel, former New England Patriots cornerback, getting to play for head coach Mike Mike Vrabel, who was a teammate of Asante Samuel Jr.'s father, Asante Samuel Sr. Hope I didn't lose you there, but that would be really cool. And so um, that's the pick here, and and that's kind of my rationale there. But the, the needs match up here too, so... You know, let's not get too ahead of ourselves. Uh, for the twenty-third pick, the Seattle Seahawks. They originally held this this pick, um, but the, you know they don't have it because they traded it to the New York Jets. And so, the Seattle Seahawks are definitely one of the weirdest teams when it comes to the draft. And I'm honestly a little disappointed they don't have their pick this year, so I can see which random player they take in the first round that I've never heard of. Um, but in terms of team needs, they they also have need, uh, they need help on the defensive line. They need to get some youth in there on that D line, especially at the edge position. They could also use help at cornerback after letting Shaquille, Gref- Shaquille Griffin head to Jacksonville in free agency. Uh, they could also use help on the offensive line, especially with Russell Wilson and his camp expressing frustration with the performance of that unit over the years. Um, so definitely have a, a multitude of, of needs to fill here. Um, you know, Russ is just putting that team on his back every week and, and they've got to continue to fill the talent level. Uh, but John Schneider and Pete Carroll, they, they are afforded the luxury of getting to make horrible pick after horrible pick after horrible pick in the NFL draft and not be uh, punished for it because they literally have a, a top three quarterback in, in Russell Wilson. So interesting how those things work out. As for the New York Jets, uh, I have them with the 23rd pick in the draft. Again, offensive line would be ideal here for them to, to be able to um, to to select. But I think that they can address that at 34. Um, but So I'm giving them here Greg Newsom, cornerback out of Northwestern. Um, dude is a phenomenal athlete. He's dealt with some injuries, um, but he, he can fly. And so I think you slide him in as your number one corner playing alongside um, Bryce Hall. So, uh, you know, Robert Sala, he's addressed the, the defensive line. And now uh, they're coming in and addressing the cornerback position. So that's the pick there. Moving on to 24, we've got the Pittsburgh Steelers. And everyone wants the Steelers to take a running back here like a Najee Harris, Javante Williams. But I honestly don't think they do it. Although, Najee does remind me a little bit of Le'Veon Bell, just in the way that they're kind of put together, uh, six, both over six foot, so it's like 6'1", 6'2", uh, 230 pounds, but both very lean, uh, can also both play in the pass game as well. So that's an interesting, it's just an interesting comp. I don't think their play styles are the same, because Le'Veon Bell is a little bit more patient, while Najee is a little bit more explosive. But they're just, the way they're put together, and they're kind of the skill sets that they have for, for being... 6'1", 230-pound backs is kind of impressive. Uh, but anyways, I digress. Uh, I think they address other positions on the football team, such as offensive line or, or maybe some help on defense. They could definitely use some help at cornerback after releasing St- uh, Steven Nelson. And so I think they really felt the absence of Bud Dupree in the back half of, of the year uh, when he went down with an ACL. And so um, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and give them Aziz Ojolari, edge player, uh, from the University of Georgia, uh, he's kind of built like Bud Dupree at six, you know, six two, six three, uh, two hundred and fifty pounds. Um, you know, he's he's a pretty good athlete as well, and so I think 
you know, putting him next to in a rotation uh, with Alonzo Highsmith next to T.J. Watt. I think that's got to be, um, you know, that that should help them. Like, you know, definitely help them a ton uh, because you know they, like I said, they felt that absence of Bud Dupree in the back half of the of the year when when he went down with that ACL injury. And so, moving on to pick twenty-five, the LA Rams are probably looking to continue to upgrade the offensive line, but they don't hold this pick. Obviously, they gave it to the Lions as part of the rant. The Rams gave this pick to the Jags as part of the Jalen Ramsey trade. Um, but you know, I think they need to protect Matthew Stafford, who's had his share of injuries over his career. The Rams can also continue to attack the defense. Maybe if they can get an edge rusher, that can help them out. Uh, they also lost some pieces in the secondary, and so they could continue to look, uh, you know, continue, could, could look to backfill those spots as well. But as for the Jags, I think they get help in the secondary here, adding safety, uh, Trayvon Morrig out of TCU. Um, you know, Morrig's going to be that, that, kind of that eraser on the back end, uh, you know, recently had Jeff DiMatteo, uh, who I, I do some work with at Gridiron Ratings, you know, he basically compared Trayvon Morrig to a Jesse Bates type player, uh, Jesse Bates was definitely a productive player for the Jags and, or for the, the Bengals, and so uh, Trayvon Morrig, you know, adding, you know, in a secondary that already has um, CJ Henderson, who was the first round pick last year, they have Shaquille Griffin. Uh, and now you add Trayvon Morrig, and, and you know you you have a, a pretty good secondary there. Um, moving on to 26, the Cleveland Browns. Uh, you know they actually don't have a ton of needs. They added two players in the secondary with Troy Hill and John Johnson, uh, so they're getting immediate upgrades there. They also get last year's second round pick back in, in Grant Delpit. So I wonder if they you know they attack the defensive line. They were able to sign Jadavian Clowney, but. They released Sheldon Richardson, and this isn't a great interior D-line group, so I, I don't necessarily see that in this spot here. Uh, wide receiver is a sneaky need for them, though, uh, with both Jarvis and, and Odell getting older and having contracts that will need to be addressed at some point. So for me here, I'm giving the Cleveland Browns Rashad Bateman, wide receiver from the University of Minnesota. Uh, Rashad Bateman, he's a filthy route runner. His release game is on point and so you add him to this offense um you know we're obviously Odell is continuing to recover from the injury that he's dealing with the ACL and so um Rashad Bateman I think can add an element to this offense you know where he's got this you know this deep speed he's got this ability to to you know to get down the field as evidenced by his, his 4 three forty yard dash but he's also got the nuance in, within his route running where um, I think him and Baker could could potentially have some good chemistry going. So uh, Rashad Bateman, that's my pick at twenty six. Uh, for twenty, as for twenty seven, the Baltimore Ravens, they obviously have a glaring need at wide receiver, but with two first round picks, uh, they could look to address that later in the round, seeing how deep this class is. Uh, they also have a need at right tackle after trading Orlando Brown to Kansas City. That was the trade in which they acquired a first-round pick that just happened like yesterday. Um, so I think the Ravens don't have a ton of needs, but getting help at edge and, and some more athleticism in the secondary, specifically at safety, will help them tremendously. So here at 27, I have them taking Jason Owe, the edge player, um, 
you know, he's going to slide in and be an upgrade, not an upgrade, but try to be an upgrade over what they had in Matt Judon. But Jason Owe, super athletic. Uh, we, we spoke about him, Jeff and I did, in the IDP show. And uh, he's a guy, he kind of reminds me of Daniil Hunter, uh, just in terms of not a ton of college production, but you could see the athleticism and he's just dripping with it. And so, you know, if I, if, you know, I, that's why they pay these D-line coaches all this money, right? I'm going to give you an athlete. You make him, you, you get him to get me to rush the passer. So um, definitely like that there. Moving on to the New Orleans Saints. The Saints obviously have a need at quarterback with the retirement of Drew Brees, uh, but they can't get they can't get it done here unless they go after someone like Kyle Trask or Kellen Mond in this spot. But I don't I don't see that happening. Uh, they'll just go with the Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill contingent. Cornerback uh, is definitely something the Saints can look at, but I think one thing they could do is address the linebacker position. Uh, Jamin Davis, Jamin Davis. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, from the University of Kentucky uh, for the Saints would be an ideal fit in the middle of their defense alongside a guy like Demario Davis. And so that's exactly who I'm giving them. Uh, Jamin Davis, who blew up the comp, uh, his pro day at, Kentucky, at the University of Kentucky, um, is six, he's like 6'4", 230, or 6'3", 230, something along those lines. Had a 4'3", ran a 4'3", had a 40-inch vert. Um, it was just yeah, he just completely uh, 99th percentile inside linebacker and in basically every metric. So Jamin Davis, adding him to this defense, uh, I think, next to Mar- DeMario Davis, who don't know how much time he has left, but um, still playing at a high level. So you get those two linebackers playing at a high level, and I think um, you know the rest will take care of itself. Uh, moving on to Green Bay, 29 uh, the Green Bay Packers. Now, naturally, everyone wants to put a wide receiver here, but I just don't think that the Packers are going to do that. They lost starting center Corey Lindsley in free agency uh, to the L.A. Chargers, so I think they would look to replace him on the interior of the offensive line here. Maybe, just maybe, they look to add an, a wide receiver later in the draft. They could also use another corner to play opposite Jair Alexander. Um, so I'm, you know, there's definitely there's a uh, two. I feel uh, centers here that you can give them. Uh, but, you know, Kurt, my, my boy Frank, my co-host on the Now We Have Liftoff New York Jets podcast, he's obsessed with Creed Humphreys. Um, but I'm going to go with another guy here, um, Landon Dickerson out of the University of Alabama. Uh, so he's going to slide in center here for the, the Green Bay Packers here and uh, help Aaron Rodgers in the, in this you know Green Bay run game uh, continue to get to that to that next level. So um, hopefully either the next level or there's no drop off from when Corey Lindsley left. But you basically know what I'm saying. I'm using vernacular or whatnot. But anyways, moving on uh, to 30 pick 30, the Buffalo Bills. They took a huge step forward, making it to the AFC Championship game last year. They were definitely a good football team. They don't have a ton of needs. They're strong on the offensive line. I don't think they're going to look to add a wide receiver in this spot either. So I think Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, they continue to build this defense. And they add a guy who would have been a first-round pick last year had he come out. Uh, And so I'm giving the Buffalo Bills here Gregory Rousseau, the edge player from the University of Miami. Um, You know, I think, again, continuing to fill that defense with just edge players and, and 
players that can get after the quarterback because the Bills now, they have a formidable offense. They put up a ton of points. And so uh, opposing offenses, they're going to try to keep pace. And so if, you know, the best way to do that is just keep sending pass rushers after them, right? So that's what we got going on there with Buffalo. Moving on to 31, obviously the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, they held this pick originally. They traded it uh, to the to the um, Baltimore Ravens in exchange for uh, right tackle, who will now play left tackle, Orlando Brown. Uh, the Chiefs, they, they had one specific area of need entering 2021, and that was the offensive line. And the Chiefs have basically done everything that they could to and some to address the position, provide the best prote- protection they can to the half-a-billion-dollar man in, in Patrick Mahomes. And now hopefully... The Chiefs can look to add another wide receiver in round two since they let Sammy Watkins go. And, to, you know, if we're being honest, Miko Hardman just hasn't cut it. And you know, we're entering a point after two years that we don't know if he really will at this point. Right. Like you can't get on the field with all the, the stuff, the injuries that the Chiefs have dealt with. Uh, and even when you are on the field, you're hit or miss production with the best quarterback in literally the history of football. And, you know. It's just, I don't know if he'll ever get it done. I'm hoping. I'm hoping for sure, but definitely not positive that it's going to happen. But also, the Chiefs could use help at cornerback because, to be honest, who can't use help at cornerback? But anyways, uh, the the Baltimore Ravens hold this pick. And we're going to give them a wide receiver here. Uh, We're going to give them Elijah Moore, a wide receiver from Ole Miss. Uh, I almost gave them Rondell Moore here. Uh, but I, I think with the injury concerns with Rondell Moore, I think he'll just he'll fall out of the first round. But Elijah Moore, the other Moore, um, I think he fits into this this Baltimore Ravens uh, offense. And I think he fits into it pretty well. Uh, I think Terrace Marshall would obviously also fit. Uh, I think Terrace Marshall would actually be a good fit here from a physicality standpoint. But Elijah Moore, um, you know, he's he's a he can get downfield. He can play the slot. Um, he can be used on jet sweeps and all these different things. Uh, and so he's got a ton of speed to burn. Tyler, he reminds me of Tyler Lockett. Uh, I know I, I've said it before. Um, it's funny because I went and looked at player profiler recently, and Elijah Moore's player comparison is Tyler Lockett. So it's really funny. But um, he does remind me of Tyler Lockett. When you watch Elijah Moore move on a football field, and we're talking about a guy that can play from the slot but has enough twitch and uh, athleticism to actually get down the field and, and make plays down the field as a deep threat, uh, reminiscent of Tyler Lockett. So I'm going to keep pounding that. that uh, I'm going to keep pounding that, uh, that comparison there. But uh, I think Elijah Moore in this Baltimore Ravens offense, I th- you know, again, I, I would love for them to go like with a big wide receiver. So Terrace Marshall would be my preference here for them. Uh, you know, it is my mock draft, so I could just give them Terrace Marshall if I want to. Uh, but I'm not going to do that. I think that they'll probably go uh, Elijah Moore because that's just what my gut is telling me. Um, all right, moving on. Rab- rambling off. We're over an hour here. Uh, damn, it's pretty good for a solo pod, man. Over an hour of content. It's crazy. Anyway, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, Super Bowl champions. They don't have a ton of glaring needs. Uh, I think it would be hilarious if they just triggered the entire fantasy community and, and take Najee Harris right here. I think that that would be so funny because um, we would all cry because it would be like Najee Harris and 
Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones and Giovanni Bernard and Keyshawn Vaughn, and it's like, oh, my God. Anyway, not going to happen. Antonio Brown, still a free agent, so maybe they address the wide receiver position here. Um, you know, I think with the, they can go with secondary help, adding a quality cornerback uh, to put opposite Carlton Davis, who had a really good year himself. And so I think that's exactly what they do. And so with that, I'm giving them uh, Calvin Joseph, why, uh, cornerback, sorry, out of the University of Kentucky, uh, Calvin Joseph, long athletic corner. So I think he can slide into this uh, Todd Bulls defense seamlessly and, and help upgrade that number two corner spot for uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, everyone, that was the mock draft, my 2021 NFL mock draft. Um, I hope that you all enjoyed it. And so, as, as far as what I've got going on, um, you know, it, this next week as we approach the NFL draft, five days away. So, the draft's on, obviously, on Thursday. Um, then there's Friday, Saturday. So, um trying to figure out the logistics here uh but it's probably going to be a two-part episode from me next week uh just going to be reacting to the nfl draft um you know basically these landing spots for these rookies and then i'm going to give out my updated uh rookie rankings you know as a as a result of these landing spots right and so uh react to all of that uh that'll be next week and and basically what will be a two-part episode from me um and then after that, man, y'all already know we'll, we'll be in, it'll be May and we'll be doing, um, we'll be discussing projections and teams and yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a, a really fun, uh, off season and I uh, can't wait to, to break it all down with y'all here. Um, and you know, I think after, after next week, we're going to have some guests on here. So that's cool. Got one really, really, really cool guest. Probably the biggest guest we've ever had here at the Fantasy Football Diagnostics Podcast. And that is what we like to call a tease. So got to definitely stick around for that. That's basically two weeks from now. Uh, you'll catch that episode. Um, but everyone, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Um, you know, be kind to one another. And uh, as always... Definitely appreciate you all for listening, taking the time to listen, and all the support that we get, uh, whether it's on social media uh, or just even listening to the podcast or just even in person. Um, you know, so uh, you know, one of the things that truly like makes me happy, uh, you know, makes me want to continue doing stuff like this and, and recording is when you know I get messages or text messages or my friends will call me and tell me that they really enjoyed an episode or they, they really liked my insight or, um, you know, they really, they really, you know, appreciate my work. And so that honestly makes me, you know, words can't describe how uh, good that makes me feel. And so I just keep coming back for you guys. Uh, uh, so we just keep grinding and we'll keep getting out of these championships the best way that we can. Uh, but most of all, like to have fun here so um if you're not already following the show at ff diagnostics on twitter and instagram you can follow me uh, at jr football nerd on twitter and instagram uh, and then you can also follow greg at we underscore made it uh, on instagram as well so have a good one everybody and we are out <laughs>